Are you a man looking for an intensive program to help you overcome sexually addictive behaviors? Gateway to Freedom is your answer. Gateway to Freedom is a three-day workshop for men seeking to overcome any destructive sexual habits. Whether married, single, or divorced, Gateway to Freedom will help men regain hope for a new life of purity and real contentment. The workshop is conducted by experts in the field of sexual addiction recovery with decades of combined experience. Read testimonials of workshop alumni at gatewaymen.com. Get all the info and register online at gatewaymen.com or call 1-800-49-PURITY. Hi, my name is Jonathan, and I'm the founder of the Gateway to Freedom Workshop. I want to personally invite you to register for our next workshop coming up September 8th through the 10th in Texas in the lovely Hill Country. So call us today at 1-800-49-PURITY. That's 1-800-497-8748 or visit gatewaymen.com. Welcome to Pure Sex Radio with your hosts, Jonathan and Stephen. This dynamic program is designed to educate, encourage, and equip listeners with the tools necessary for living a life of sexual purity. Visit us online at puresexradio.com. And now, please welcome Jonathan and Stephen on Pure Sex Radio. Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. We're glad to have you with us. My name is Jonathan, and I'm here with Stephen Cervantes. How are you, my friend? Good. I'm excited about today's show. Yeah, you know what? We have a very interesting, um, almost unusual show, if I could put it that way, coming your way. Um, I am basically uh, surrendering to an indulgence for <laughs> for Steve because he had such an amazing trip to the other side of the planet and he was like I want to talk about my my trip to Thailand and I was thinking how on earth does that <laughs> fit with you know pure sex radio so we're going to see where things go but I'm going to let the master Stephen figure out how we're going to make a connection on this and if we don't make a connection grace abounds you know <laughs> it's a good entertaining show if nothing else exactly so I had a chance to take a a, a package deal going to Thailand. My wife and I bought this when it was on sale the end of last year, and uh, so I had some some reservations because it's it's not high on the list, but it's an opportunity to learn something I didn't know. And and so I pray and I say, God, show me things. Show me things you want me to know. And uh, there's all these little bits and pieces, and I'm still actually processing for the one big aha. Mm -hmm. And maybe it'll come out somehow in this show as I go through my notes here. So first I want to start with observations. Because when you come into a country, you see things that look odd. And you and you ask why. So we we land at the airport, we get in a cab, and it's insane, the traffic. I mean, it's three and four lanes going in the wrong direction. They travel on the opposite side of the road. <laughs> and there's motorcycles everywhere weaving in and out constantly. It's like your head is spinning because there's a motorcycle right by your head whizzing by. And there's another one right behind it, right behind it, right behind it. And one has one person and one has two. One has three people on a motorcycle. I saw a family of four, a dad, a child, a mom, and a child on one little motorcycle oh going down the road. 
I saw schoolgirls in their school dresses. I saw women all dressed up looking professional going to work on their little scooters. And there's cars and scooters everywhere. And I'm listening, and it's really quiet. Hmm. So I asked the driver, I said, how come nobody's honking? He said, in his best English, it is rude to honk. We don't honk. He said, I said, don't you lay on your horn? No, no. If you honk it, beep, and get off your horn. And I thought, how interesting. These people cooperate, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we feel very entitled in our country. You took my space. It's like nobody owns the space. And in in a second, a motorcycle is going to be in that space or a car. And so just flow. Just flow. We're very particular about the the hard lines even on our <laughs> roads and everything, right? Yes. With, with what I'm hearing with you, there's almost like a coordinated chaos of just this mass of cars and vehicles. And we're all in a hurry, and we're all trying to get, and we're all trying to invade the same space, use it, and move along, and I'm not going to be offended mm-hmm. because nobody's raising their middle finger, nobody's yelling, everybody's flowing in and out. And it, I just thought, how interesting that it's so different. Well, and I think, too, isn't it, isn't it important, like one of the things you learned there, hey, no, that's rude, right? Yeah. Is sometimes we have, I think, thought that because of the culture we grew up in is what's familiar to us, mm-hmm. we almost make a, if I can put it this way, a moral distinction between our culture versus any other, and yeah. vice versa, meaning mm. we're right, you're wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. Even jokingly, I kind of chuckled when you said, you know, they drive on the wrong side of the road. Yes. Well, only they, if you're from America, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. So I, I, I learned quickly that there's a humbleness and a humility. When you go to your hotel and you open the door, people at the door clasp their hands like they're praying and they bow their heads and they say, Kab kun krab. Kapkun Krab or Sawadi Krab. They say these lines and just flow them out like uh, good day to you. Mm. And in out of humility. It's just it's really interesting. And there's one other observation I made was we would do these night markets. They don't start till six or seven, they go till midnight or something, and people are showing up and selling whatever they have to sell, whatever wares, little clothing. Uh, you know, something they produced, they made, something they bought, they're reselling. And all around this market is this 70s music, late 60s and 70s. It's English all over Thailand. They're singing John Denver songs or Elvis songs. Uh, in one place, we heard La Bamba. So <laughs> Thai people singing, la, 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 Bamba, and everybody's hooting and hollering and and I thought, well, I wonder why they, why did they pick the 70s music, not the 80s and 90s or recent or their music? And there's such energy in life, and there was like a freedom. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I thought they even grabbed our culture in a time of a being free-spirited. The, the words were more important than the pounding, loud. You can't even understand some of the music now. It's so loud, the words you can't hear, mm-hmm. right? They're singing songs that we sang when you could hear the words and we're telling a story. And it's almost like they like that part about our culture. They're celebrating it over there still. Mm-hmm. So those are my observations. Now I've got a couple of beliefs. And uh, in Thai, there have been 10 kings. 
One just died. The tenth is coming in now, and they've been mourning for six months the death of the, the ninth king. But they were telling us during the fifth king, the reign of the fifth king, they called him Rama, King Rama, and there's another part to the name, but all these King Ramas. And from the 1300s to today is what we're talking about. King Five had a rule that said you never look at the king and you never touch the king or his family. And they were on a boat in a lake and the queen got in trouble, but no one could look at her or touch her. She drowned. So they changed the belief. Now you may look at the king and queen under certain circumstances. You know, and I thought... Isn't that funny? One belief is in place for King 1, King 2, King 3. But by King 5, we're changing our beliefs. Mm. Things that were rock solid, you know? And and so why is that important? Because I think sometimes in our life, we have to change some of our beliefs. Yeah, and I think you see that, I mean, you see that definitely happening in our culture. Uh, you think about, you know, uh, there can be a... There can be a positive aspect to that. Like, for instance, um, Galileo, right? Mm -hmm. Up until him, man, the earth is flat. We had a belief Mm -hmm. that said this earth is flat. And and I heard on this trip, they thought the earth was sitting on the back of a turtle. (laughs) Hey, there you go. (laughs) And so the thing is, I mean, then some some changes in beliefs have an incredibly positive, oh, new perspective. Oh, yeah, I see it now. that's right. But then I think most recently, what's happened in our culture and in our country regarding marriage Mm. and the detriment that that change in a belief is having on families and relationships. And I think— there's an, there's this craziness about entertainment now. Mm. We have to be entertained. We always have to be entertained, right. right? And entertainment is the highest thing you can do. It's like, what? When did that shift from doing significant things to mm-hmm. being entertained? Right? And along those lines, one of the things that we're I think we're going to see over the course of the next 10 to 15, maybe 20 years is because of that idea that we must constantly be entertained, we are losing the value of boredom. Mm. And what I mean by that is it's only when you have allowed yourself to be bored Mm -hmm. that you can go into deep thought. Mm -hmm. And create and And fill it. So if you're essentially saying, i got to be entertained all the time and preventing myself from going to deep thought, we're going to have a very shallow people in a very short period of time. So this section is on changing beliefs because we went up into this tribal area where these these women have these gold uh, bands. They're actually copper, but they're wrapped. It's copper tubing. They wrap around their neck. Mm-hmm. And so it's like six or eight strands of copper tubing. They have long necks. It changes their body. They start yeah. when they're five and then they're seven and they... And they think it's really beautiful. But when we were up there amongst those tribes, they were saying there's a part of the tribe that says it's not good to take a bath. Because if you take a bath, uh, you're misusing water and you're going to upset the god of rain. So bathing is not a good thing. I thought, what the heck? You know, (laughs) what kind of belief is this? But that's how they live. They don't bathe much. 
Did you ask if that applied to the foreigners? (laughs) As I was filling my bathtub up, you know? Yeah, right. So then, you know, lots of Buddhist stuff and and temples and all Mm -hmm. that. And so I'll be the first to admit I'm like in first grade with Buddhism. I don't know, but I'll tell you what I heard, okay? So under the teaching of Buddhism, you have to pay homage to the evil spirits because they'll come in torment and... And so you pay homage to them to appease them. And I thought, that's, that's interesting. So there was, and these, those are beliefs that you have to live this way, mm-hmm. right? You have to appease the evil spirits so they don't mess with you. So also, I was told about teachings of Buddha. There is no God or no heaven in Buddhism. So Buddhist was an Indian who came from a wealthy family who saw such poverty around him. And he decided to leave wealth and go live with poverty and to figure out how to help these poor people live. And this is my summary. But what he came up with was meditation. If you can just meditate and have great thoughts, maybe you can live above your situation. So your goal is to, cre- to live in such harmony that you finally get to the state of nirvana. You meditate to the point where you get to this but until you get there, you're going to die, and then you're going to come back and practice this skill some more until you get to this ultimate state of nirvana. Uh, and if you do good deeds in your life, it makes your life better. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're going to have to come back again and again. But meditation is the gr- one of the great tools. Managing your mind is a great tool. And that's sort of the simple version of what I learned about Buddhism. You know, the irony to me is that that is um, not, that idea is not at all dissimilar to what Christianity teaches, but they point in very different directions. Mm. Whereas the Buddhism concept of meditation points towards emptying your mind, the Christianity concept towards meditation points towards filling Mm. your mind. So this idea of and the other thing, too, obviously, is the Buddhism says that essentially through your own activity and meditation, you can reach this state of heavenliness. Or right. Whereas, obviously, Christianity teaches, no, through Jesus Christ right. is and the, the way that we... the Spirit Spirit at work yeah, in you, right? exactly. Operating out of your spirit, not your emotions or personality. Operating out of your spirit, my spirit becomes one with God's spirit in, in worship, which is sort of mm-hmm. some of our version of meditation to worship, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I learned that the temples are like community centers. And if you're poor or elderly and you need a place to go, you go to the temple. And uh, since I'm on the temples and the monks, the, that monks, that's really interesting because monks say clothes are for wearing, not collecting. That's definitely not American. <laughs> not American. <laughs> so they have two outfits. In case it rains today, they have what dry one for wow. tomorrow. They have two outfits and one pair of sandals. That's it. Clothes are for wearing, not collecting. I love that line. Um, and you know that might go with our previous episode that we did on the one thing. <laughs> like, hey, if you want a, a cleaner closet, the one thing might be this idea of you know clothes are for wearing, not collecting. That's too funny. So monks cannot ask for food. They carry these pots around, and 
um, they they come out between six thirty and seven thirty in the morning, and they go stand in places, mm. and people bring them food. They may not ask for food; they may receive food, and they have a pot because men women cannot touch a monk. So you put the food in the pot; you don't touch the monk. Um, actually, you're not supposed to look in the eyes. There's something about don't look in their eyes, don't touch them. Hmm. And uh, we we gave some food to monks. They didn't seem very friendly or happy or talkative. They were very serious. You put the food in, they say a, a few words back to you of gratitude and blessing, and then they leave. And uh, they can only eat till noon. They fast the rest of the day. Um, and I was thinking, man... There, I saw KFC in Bangkok. If I was a monk, I'd go stand out in front of KFC. I'd go to Pizza yeah. Hut and stand out in front of those old, those places that I thought had good food. So, um, you know, these one of the towns we were in, they were saying is 720 years old. So it's like, wow, our country is a little over 300 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, these cultures have been around a long time. Uh, things I didn't understand, you know. Uh, they ate rice and noodles every every three times a day. I mean, they don't have a breakfast food and a lunch food. Right. It's like they're glad to have rice and noodles, and so they do something. Even their dessert, they call it sticky sticky rice. This is dessert time. Here's some sweet sticky rice, you know. Huh. Uh, they don't have cheese or butter because... We drove all over the countryside, never saw one cow. They just don't seem to have cows. Hmm. They have rice fields everywhere. And I wanted to see a water buffalo in a, cow, in a rice field because you see them plows. Never saw water buffalo. Never saw cows. So lots of rice fields. But you know what they said? The young people don't want to work in the rice fields. Mm. So they're having to import labor from Vietnam and Burma. And they said at one point the time may not be able to produce enough rice to feed themselves because their kids want to get on the Internet and, and be entertained. And it's just like here. They don't want to work that hard. They want to go to the big mm. city and, and get a free ride, you know. Interesting how technology is affecting that culture in that way. And we saw lots of little flip phones. Poor people. Everybody has a little older version of our phones, mm-hmm. but they still have the phones. So uh, it's funny because the language barrier was difficult. We had a tour guide. She spoke. We didn't. So if if they didn't understand my English, I tried my other language, a few Spanish words. Yeah. <laughs> but they didn't get those either, I got to tell you. They pretend to understand you. Yes, yes, yes. I asked this guy. At one point, we're in a big boat. We get out of the big boat, and there's little uh, canoes that come up next to us with a, a driver in each canoe. And you get in their canoe, and they paddle you around the island. and and I kept trying to ask the guy, how many trips a day in this boat do you make? And he kept saying, uh, you can give me one or $200 tip. One or 200 not dollars, bots. There's his bots. One or 200 bots. One or t- I said, how many times do you paddle around? I'm using paddling motion with my hand and around. And the big boats come, and this is their job. They take tours around a canoe, around islands. One or 200 bots. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the answer to everything was one or 200 bots because that was the tip he wanted when we got sure, there. Yeah. So, sort of That's interesting. Yeah. So I saw, 
I saw that people were trying to sell things. I did not realize the value of business. But um, in poor countries, if you can make a few bucks, you can live better. They live on $600 a month. Or a year. Oh, I'm sorry. Is that what it said? Yeah. It was $600 a year. That's right. Yeah. Their annual household income is 600 bucks a year. And so it's like, oh, it's like nothing. Mm -hmm. So you see everywhere families have tables and they're selling some food they cooked or dresses they made or they bought some cheap goods, candy goods, and they're trying to sell candy to the, uh, the kids. I mean, everybody is trying to sell something to make a few bucks. And I realize the value of business. Mm-hmm. If you can generate some money, you can live well. No money, you don't live well. It became very obvious to me. So I'm going to tell you my elephant story. Uh, we have to make some principles out of these for our program somehow. Yeah. Not, not just the elephants, but we went to this elephant kingdom, and, and they said elephants from 0 to 15 don't work. From 15 to 30, they do light work. From 30 to 60, they do heavy work. And from 60 and older, they retire. So we got a chance to wash the elephants in the river, get up and ride the elephants. And we we were talking to one of the locals, and each elephant has a, a person assigned to them called Mahood. So the Mahood said, you see that? That's a, a 60-year-old elephant. He's retired he just roams around our grounds eating all day. So it sounds like the elephants are very much like Americans. <laughs> In what right? way? What do you, you know, say? zero to 15, <laughs> they don't do any work. 15 to 30, they do light work. 30 oh, to 60, they do heavy work. And after 60, they retire. Yeah, yeah. So um, I didn't know that about elephants. These are Asian elephants. Mm-hmm. They're smaller than the African. They can lose their tusks three times a year, and they'll regrow them. African elephants, one time they're gone. Mm. And these tusks uh, become so heavy for the elephants that after a while they just cut them off because they're a hindrance. They're not survival. They don't need them. They're in the sanctuary, you know. So I'm going to say four things we did that were interesting, Mm -hmm. and then I'm going to somehow you help me make some applications. (laughs) We rode elephants. We got in a cage with a 550-pound tiger, and we got to pet this on purpose, tiger. Yeah, right? on, yes. <laughs> so we, we pulled over at one point and ate some grilled rat, field rat. They killed. Again, on purpose? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Delicacy. They grill them and sell them to make money. And then we fed this group of 500 monkeys mm. that came out of the, the trees and just surrounded this lady. We we bought her food because no, none of us wanted to get in the middle. And just this horde of monkeys came around her, and we just thought they're going to jump on her. They're just closing in on her, and she's throwing food as fast as she can, and they're all grabbing, fighting, acting like monkeys, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so what did I learn? Uh, I learned that I love America. And when I came back in immigration, and I showed my passport, and I was coming in the country, said, uh, Welcome home. Mm. I almost started crying. Mm. I thought, oh my goodness, I'm home. I know the language. I know how to drive here. I get the money. You know, Mm -hmm. this is home. That was a visit in a foreign country where the language was off and it's, you know, you can't, you can't take care of yourself Mm -hmm. because you can't communicate in some situations, you know, so it's a little stressful, but it'll open your eyes to, old cultures and other ways 
You know, you know and, and I guess some, I don't know, takeaways that I would think as as you're saying all of that is, you know, I think there's a benefit to um, putting on the the lens of another culture and the way that might translate to some of the things that we may deal with in ministry is maybe don't be so quick for us to dismiss the ways that another person sees the world or the ways that another person experiences their life. Mm. So like, for instance, if somebody's telling their story, so many times we're, we're forcing that story to fit through our filter of our experience and our perspective. And I think by you going half, you know, halfway around the world, you're being able to see there's another way that things can be, um, mm. experience like traffic, yes. you know, and even just food and money and those types of things. There's, there's a different perspective on that. Uh, and and the fact that even within that, those limitations and those differences, you saw fundamental human principles still existed like humility and gratitude, yes. you know, there, so that to me also shows that there's a common denominator that we all have as human beings, no matter our cultural differences or experiences. And I think it's important to keep that in mind, especially as we try to minister to one another and help one another. Yes. Um, even in our own country, there's cultural differences yes. in America. That's true. You know, so that's one thing I would. So I have some questions I want to ask, ask myself and ask out loud, but I have two other stories. One is, there are Seven Elevens all over Thailand. <laughs> Our tour guide said, "When you don't, when you're looking for anything, go to Seven Eleven." And I thought, "What?" And sure enough, the chain is everywhere. Wow! Now you can't understand what anything is because Coke looks like a squiggly line, and a Lay potato chip has that yellow bag, but it has these squiggly mm-hmm. line. It has Thai on it, you know. So you go in there and you feel like, "Hey, Seven Eleven, great!" But it's like, "Okay, what? What's what here?" So. I'm hungry. It's two hours before we eat again. They have this grill cooking hot dogs, foot-long hot dogs. And I thought, man, that's great. I'm going to get a hot dog, ketchup, mustard, a bun. I'll take. So I go over there, and I can't talk to them. My point, I, I signal foot-long, one, and she smiles. And I hand her some money. She takes that on my hand. She gives me change back, you know, and... Uh, and she takes this foot-long hot dog, and she starts cutting it into one-inch pieces. And she puts it in a plastic bag. She puts a toothpick in there, and she hands it to me. And it's like, well, what happened to the bun? Where's the yeah. mustard and the ketchup? <laughs> it's like, they're used to eating out of bowls over here. Mm. Everything's in a bowl, a rice bowl, a noodle bowl. So they put in a little bag oh my and give you a little stick, toothpick, to eat your little pieces of weenie because there are no buns in the place, mm. you know? So I thought, wow, you know, what I thought and what they thought was very different. Right. One other thing our tour guide said, 50% of the teenagers between 16 and 18 want bigger noses. So they have nose jobs done so they can look better. I thought, wow, is that vanity or what, mm. what in the world is that? So here are the questions I said, Lord, what do you want me to to see? What what sense, Lord? And so he said, well, what beliefs do you carry? You saw some other beliefs over there 
and their beliefs change, what beliefs do you carry? You know, and I love faith in Christ. I love the story of Christ and who he is and that he died, that he went first, right? And that I'm not trying to get some state of nirvana. Mm-hmm. I want to go where he went, right? And who do you follow? And and I was a foreigner in a foreign kingdom. And and we're spiritual beings in a spiritual kingdom. Um, and there are spirits over there that want to torment you, but I think there's spirits over here roaming about, right? Oh, yeah. And and what must you come out from under? What beliefs? The king said, "Don't look at us." And then he said, "Oh no, I changed my mind. You can look at us, right?" Um, and and one culture said, "Don't bathe." Mm-hmm. So what beliefs? Did you pick up in your family and in mm. your little part of the country? What beliefs must you come out from under so that you can be free? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Those are just questions that that I came away asking and wondering. Yeah. Well, listeners, I, I want to thank you for indulging <laughs> oh, Stephen. <yes. laughs> and he's got he ha, he showed me some awesome pictures of the time and just uh, I, I think it was a great. It's great to be able to share this, and and I hope that you glean some things from this. That uh, if anything, you got a little bit of a history lesson on Thailand and and some interesting things there. But I love what Stephen's saying about the idea of these questions. You know, what do you need to come out from under? What are some beliefs that you've carried that maybe just simply they need to change because they're not they're either not right or they're not uh, useful. And so. Um, We'd love to walk alongside you in your journey, so please reach out and contact us for help. And we look forward to having you back here next time on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.